ESPN 97.5 and 92.5 proudly present The Killer Bees. Definitely a fan of The Killer Bees. Don't sweat the technique. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here comes the fastest three hours in Houston sports radio. Here's Joe Blank and Jeremy Branham. Oh, hell yeah. You about to get all stung up. Ooh, what up, H-Town? Hey, how we doing? He's Blankers. I'm Branham. It's Joe George behind the glass. It is a Taco Tuesday edition of the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Weird not being with you all. Uh, yesterday, we had kind of a coincidental three-day weekend. Hated missing a Monday show, but we'll do a Monday show on a Tuesday, pretty much. Um, sad part about it is the Astros are down 2 nothing. They're down 2 nothing. They lost both home games against the Texas Rangers. 2 nothing on Sunday. Justin Verlander pitched good enough to win. Astros couldn't touch Jordan Montgomery. And then yesterday, Fromber Valdez meltdown. Astros had some chances, couldn't get the big hit. And all of a sudden, the Astros are looking to do something they've never done before. Come from behind 2-0 and advance to the World Series. Uh, the Astros all-year blankers have put themselves in a position where, mm, can they can they flip the switch? Can they rally? Uh, can they make a push? Can they surge? Can they still get to the World Series? And this is the most daunting situation they found themselves in in 2023. Yeah, it really is. And it's magnified by the fact that it's the Rangers. And obviously, based on what I've seen on Uh, social media conversations I've had that people are extremely bothered by this more so because it's the Rangers too. Like that added element kind of piles on and and people are, are deeply bothered by it and concerned and as well. They should be just with the O2 deficit, but you're right. I mean, look, Justin Verlander pitched good. He pitched pretty good, but Jordan Montgomery pitched great. And then you got into yesterday, excuse me. And yesterday was a deal where, We already had concerns about Fromber. We said going in, there were question marks about Javier and who was going to pitch in in game four of any kind of series. And going out of it, the only concern was Fromber Valdez, and Fromber Valdez didn't live up to what you were expecting Fromber Valdez to do. No, he was was awful. And a lot of angles to get into whenever you look at Fromber Valdez. I want to start with where he said after the game. And he's getting a lot of criticism for saying some comments that he said after the game. Uh, talked about how the Rangers were a bit lucky. He thought his stuff was good. A lot of people were, hey, take responsibility. Hey, admit that you weren't very good. And a lot of people were mad that Fromber didn't pitch well because now their team's down 2-0. But what would you make of the comments of Fromber saying that the Rangers were fortunate, his stuff wasn't awful, the error, that stuff, the errors, mm-hmm. that stuff just happens in baseball and you just kind of have to deal with it? Well, I mean, I guess it's his way of deflecting a little bit and and looking at some of the soft contact that were hits. But overall, there's no mistaking the fact that he should put a lot of this on his own shoulders. Regardless, look, they got four hits in the first inning or more. They they got him for four runs. That was the difference in the game when the, he, you set them up by giving him that big of a lead. You continually show you can't throw two bases and defend the position coming off the mound. And there was plenty for him to wear. And if that's the way he chooses to handle his press conference, so be it. But we all have eyes. We all saw how it unfolded. And we've seen him throughout his career, and specifically when he's been really good. And he was not really good. I do think that he wasn't hit as hard as his line score says. Like seven hits, five runs, four of them earned. It would make you think that he was serving up BP. I don't think that that was the case. Now, Adolis Garcia stung one to right field in the first inning. Jonah Heim homered off of him on an absolute no-doubter. So it wasn't like everything were bleeders and everything were seeing guy singles. But the game couldn't have started off any worse. Like, Simeon had a game plan, see it up, talked about it after the game, which has been aggravating me with Fromber Valdez. Like, your best stuff is whenever you're sinking and getting ground balls, and now he's, like, living in the middle in the upper part of the zone. Not his game. I can't stand seeing that. But Simeon's base hit, like, okay, he, he snuck it through the infield. Did he hit it pretty hard? Yeah, kind of. But if that's a ground ball to paint, you know, one out, everybody says, hey, great job getting the leadoff guy on one pitch. Like, that was kind of a seeing guy single. You get the Corey Seager a little bloop down the left field line, and it's like, oh, no, here we go. You have first and second, seeing guy single, bloop single into left field, and then a comebacker to Fromber, which has been the bane of his existence. Usually it's the lead runner. Mm-hmm. Usually he tries to go to third whenever it's not there. And when as soon as that comebacker was back to Fromber, I was like, just field it and throw it to first. Just get the out. He bobbles it first error, and then he throws it away, like a casual throw away up the first baseline. Just an atrocious start, never really got any better. I don't necessarily 
I don't love the way Fromber handled the post game press conference. Hey, they got lucky. My stuff was good. I don't. I don't want to hear that from a guy who who got you know gave up five runs, four earned, and two and two thirds, and got lifted before getting nine outs in this game. I don't necessarily disagree with Fromber though. No, that, that that was my point on the fact that he wasn't giving up laser beams. He gave up some soft contact. But at the end of the day, you got to own it because it's your performance from start to finish and all the way around. We always talk about intangibles and things that you sometimes don't see with the numbers that you have to be you know around or, or hear about and see that develop around the game. He can't field the position very well. I don't know. You know, I think the broadcasters tried to touch on the fact that maybe there was a mental block element to him throwing to bases. I don't know. But I held my breath the minute the ball came back to him, and normally that's one of those where you go, whew, okay, there's an easy out there. Maybe we can get out of this for with minimal damage. Instead, because of what we've seen, because we follow this team so closely, you knew that there was a pretty good chance he that was going to be a risky proposition, getting the ball over to first base. It was such a bad throw. Abreu couldn't even get across the bag and away from the runner to try and knock it down. And you look at it and go, well, now the floodgates are open, and now you're really in a predicament. And in a situation like that where you wanted to get a split at home, it puts you behind the eight ball for the rest of the game. It really wasn't a difficult play either. Like, he he still didn't have to rush it. Like, I understand that he knocked it down, first error there, but he still had the out. And it wasn't a difficult throw. Like, Robbie Grossman was obviously not running on the inside of the line. He wasn't running in fair territory. Otherwise, it would have been runner's lane interference. He Robbie Grossman did what you're supposed to do. He was in the runner's lane. Fromber had a clear path. He just airmailed the throw. It was an errant throw. Uh, that was way on the first base side of, uh, of first base, the, the first base dugout side of first base. Awful throw. I don't think that Fromber has like a mental block against it, although he's really bad at it. <laughs> like, yeah. He's been bad at it all season long. Yeah, no, he really has. And the thing is, like you said, I went back and looked at it and said, did he lose his grip? Because a lot of times in the is- the issues he's had fielding, he can't get a grip on the baseball, and then he fumbles it, and he, he kind of nerves kick in, and then he gets kind of in panic mode. But maybe he fumbled it slightly, a little bit, but it didn't seem like it was going to affect the fact that, like you said, he had plenty of time to still get him at first base inside of the bag, keep it where it needs to be. Seems like a fairly routine play that pitchers practice all the time, and yet he turned it into this debacle that just kept the inning going and set yourself up for that big crooked number. He's kind of a casual throw over to first base, and like, the out's there. The out's there if you make a decent throw. Um, Dusty Baker took a little bit of heat with his usage of Fromber Valdez as well. Uh, I saw a lot of people on Twitter kind of banging on Dusty, questioning leaving Fromber in for two and two-thirds. Ended up throwing 64 pitches in the game. What did you think of the hook of Dusty on Fromber? I think that he wanted to to give Fromber the benefit of the doubt, thinking that there was a chance they could still scrap their way into this game. And, of course, he's still trying to manage his pitching staff to some degree, but at a certain point, I think after the Heim homer, he basically knew he just does not have it, and if we have any hope of trying to stay in this game, I can't continue to stay with him, and I was fine going to get him when he did because of that alone, because he threw what, what was it, a cement mix? Was it just, it, it, it just, but it sat right up in the top part of the zone, and Heim just teed off on it, and I'm like, well, at this point, as much as he kind of settled in for a few innings, it looks like this could get a whole hell of a lot worse if you keep riding with him. I was fine when where Dusty took him out. Yeah, I didn't. I think people were kind of looking for reasons to gripe, to be honest. And, like, people know that we like to gripe about Dusty. Yeah. I, I didn't think that Dusty Baker's hook yesterday was a poor one. I think I would have handled Fromber Valdez the exact same that he did. I thought that Dusty actually did a really good job with the bullpen. Like, oh, man. For the bullpen to eat up the rest of the game without giving up a run, only gave up one hit. Like, you have to tip your cap for Dusty there, uh, even if it came in a loss. Like, Dusty's handling of the bullpen yesterday kept you in the game. I didn't think that it was a uh, a poor hook on Fromber whatsoever. Dusty, I think, here is taking unfair criticism. I don't have an issue with it now, but if there's a game six and he's mm-hmm. on the mound, someone's got to be up a lot quicker. No doubt about it. Like, now, the, well, the next time, like, that that leash has to be gone now. He just He's proven over his last two starts in the postseason. He just hasn't been good enough. So... The next time, like you, you got to be really quick. I um, I posted like the projected rotation the rest of the series with the asterisks because there is some if necessaries to talk about. Now the series can be over in four. Uh, quite frankly, um, Fromber's in line to start Game Six. I, I mean, Javier starting Game Three. I'd be stunned if Jose Urquidy does not go Game Four. JV would be on full rest for Game Five. Fromber's full rest Game Six. Javier's full rest Game Seven. I posted that on Twitter a little bit earlier, and people ever. I feel like every single person that commented on it. Fromber can't start game six. Cannot throw Fromber back out there. 
How do you not throw Fromber back out there to. in a game six? If if there's a game six, you have to pitch Fromber. You absolutely there. have to. And I think that you know we we mentioned this and set this up from the get go before the playoffs even started. You have to be ready for a quick hook for a lot of these guys. We said for Fromber, we know when the wheels start coming off mentally as well as physically that you have to at least be prepared because of the fact that he crumbles a lot of times when things start going not not necessarily his way. And I think this just leads you to believe that, look, you can let him. I, I think you don't have any choice. I think you have to put him back out there. But I think that you, you, to Joe, to your point, you have to have someone warmed up the first time that he even puts runners on base just because you're playing from behind and, and you're going to have to make sure you can't let anything get out of hand. I start from, if there's a game six, there, I, I have no hesitation starting from. Agreed. No hesitation starting from. Now, I'm also not hesitating to pull him out in the first inning. Like If he has a start, and I think there was a little bit of unluckiness in the first, but I'm going to have a quick trigger because there's a good chance if there's a game six, it's an elimination game, mm-hmm. or you're trying to advance to a World Series. So if you get to a game six, I- I'm not going to start J.P. France over Framber Valdez, but I am going to have an, a super aggressive hook if I get to that spot. Now, maybe we're putting the cart ahead of the horse here because the Astros have to win a couple of games in Arlington before we even think about a game six and returning back to Minute Maid Park. So uh, that's the downside of it. 713-780-ESPN, 8029 is bringing up the the extension question with Fromber. This hasn't been a good year for Fromber with the Astros re-up him or let him walk. He still has two more years on his contract. Um, Fromber was fantastic. Fantastic the first half of the season. He would have been the American League starter in the All-Star game. He was the betting favorite to win the Cy Young at about the midway point of the 2023 season. He's a wild horse. I think that Fromber, like, he got rocked. Like, he he got off Kelter by not starting that All-Star game. Well, like, there's no he, doubt. He didn't go to the All-Star game. He was vocal complaining about it. He was not himself. Like, you would see some flashes, the no-hitter. He would have a dominant start here or there. But I think he went off the rails after not starting the All-Star game. This is one of those deals that we've talked about, about he is fragile mentally. He is a guy that he can be rolling along, but the slightest little thing can turn out to be a going from a pebble in the road to a massive speed bump to a sinkhole very, very quickly. And things like that get to him. And, and we talked about it at the time, that it, it seemed like it really rattled his, his cage a little bit in the fact that he didn't get to start the All-Star game, even though it would have been on short rest. And, the, and it was the smart move for the organization to encourage him and Dusty to do. But at the same time, this is what you're dealing with with this guy. He's an emotional pitcher. When he's riding high, he can ride the wave for a long time, and he can really dial down like he did. We saw him throw a no-hitter. But when it goes off the rails, it can go off the rails quickly. And as much as we gave Baldy a lot of credit for being able to reel him in, and I know that he had the sports psychologist before that that made it better, the issue of, of the emotional issue. Mm-hmm. I don't know that anybody can reel him in when it starts going south. They need to they need to fly that guy in. Like, where is the Zen from Valdez who was doing meditation in the dugout? Like, I want that guy back. 713-780-ESPN. A lot of people weighing in on the, if there's a game six, you can't use from Valdez. I find that to be funny. 713-780-3776, HRMP listener line. We do have to get to a Texans victory going into the bye. Mm-hmm. Are they playoff bound? A cash it or trash it at 430. And look... The Astros are down 0-2. Not a great spot, but are they still capable of winning this series? We'll get to that a little bit later as well. Uh, your thoughts on Fromber and then that pivotal, critical fifth inning where you could have forgotten all about Fromber, but the Astros struggle with runners in scoring position. 713-780-3776. We're on the Twitch, twitch.tv slash ESPN 97.5. Blankers is a Pac-Man Joel. Uh, George, Joe George, Hip Hip Jorge, he's at Joe George Radio. I'm at Jeremy Branham. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. You need to head over to Little Woodrow's looking for a place to watch the game tomorrow. Little Woodrow's is your spot. I'm going to a Little Woodrow's tonight. Come join me. Uh, They have game days covered better than anybody else. It's my favorite sports bar in Houston. I'm there every week. I'll be there tonight. It's also your spot to catch the Strohs in the playoffs, especially the Edo location on home games. It's within walking distance of Minute Maid Park. It's still within walking distance of Minute Maid Park in road games, but they're just not there. But it's a great spot to watch the Astros, whether they're at home, whether they're on the road. Big parties before the game, during the game, and after the game. Large patios with HDTVs, jumbotrons with all the sports you want to watch, and there's never a bad seat in the house. Fall weather is here. It's great. Postseason baseball is here.
here. That's great, except for the ALCS series score right now. Football's going on nearly every day. It's Woodrow's season. Little Woodrow's is a casual backyard bar that you can find all over H-Town. Game day bucket specials, daily drink specials, great food, whether it's a location with a kitchen or a spot with food trucks, it is all very good. Good times and colder beer. Local bites, it's southern hospitality at its finest. Make Little Woodrow's your happy hour spot today. Your game day location or just where you relax on the patio with good drinks and good company and it's pet friendly. Three new locations coming soon. Sugarland, Webster, new one coming soon in Edo as well. Little Woodrow's, where sports come alive and good times never end. ESP that you celebrate responsibly. Hey guys, we know that mybookie.ag is the spot that I always talk about when you need to go somewhere to get some odds down and get some money down on some games. We know there are always games. There's games to be played and you want to get on them. NBA's getting ready to start. College basketball getting ready to start. We already got NFL and college football, soccer, golf, you name it, they got it. And the main thing is because you listen to us and if you go to them, you can cash in. What do you mean? Well, Bet975 is the code that I always encourage you to use because if you go to mybookie.ag and you use the promo code BET975, you can get instant bonuses if you put in at least 50 bucks into your account, whether you're setting up for the first time or you've been a long-time subscriber to mybookie.ag. It costs nothing to sign up. Once you do and you put money in your account, they're going to put money on top of that almost instantly, more money in your account, more games you can bet on, and more chances to win. They take care of you a variety of ways, and when there's no games to be played, or you just in the middle of the night can't sleep and you want to maybe play some cards, live dealers standing by as well so that you can play casino games. They take care of their customers. They've constantly got great promos going on. And the one thing that gets you paid quickly by giving you more money to bet with is the promo code BET975. Do it right now. Go to mybookie.ag, put in the promo code BET975 when you put money in your account and watch that extra cash sit there right in your account almost instantaneously so you can bet with it. As I always tell you, bet anything, anytime, anywhere. With the only place I tell you to do it, mybookie.ag, and use that promo code BET975. Welcome back, Houston. It's the Killer Bees, Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. I do find it kind of funny, the, the amount of people that are saying if there's a game six, you got to go with, with J.P. France. The I find this odd all the time, though. Like how – look, and I'm guilty of this, too. I'm not saying that, you know, I'm better than this. But, like, we, we do get very prisoner of the moment. Like, we've been talking all year about paying Kyle Tucker, right? We've been talking all year about do you extend Fromber Valdez. Now people don't want to start him in a game six over J.P. France – and they don't want to extend Kyle Tucker because of the last, like Frommers is the last second half of the year. Kyle Tucker's a bad postseason. Like he hasn't been as good the last three, four weeks. But how quickly the viewpoint changes. We, we were used to be there with Carlos Correa. Like when Carlos Correa had the massage and had his back broken, which massages in these cities, in this city, my goodness. But Correa had the massage, broke his rib. Everybody wanted to send Carlos Correa away. Then Carlos Correa pumps up from Valdez on the mound, has some ex- excellent mound visits, may have had a walk-off or two, and then everybody wanted to give him $300 million for, for 10 years. The, the overreaction based on singular moments, I find it difficult to understand, quite frankly. You and I have had this discussion, and I've said the Janet Jackson mentality is so prevalent in all of sports, but particularly now with social media. And what I mean by that is the what have you done for me lately? That's all they're focused on. And when you're good, then they think you are the best, and they want you to be taken care of and be here forever, and they want you to be a, you know, a key cog in what's working for this team. And when you're bad, they want to wipe their hands clean of you almost as fast as they can, and they are completely leery of you ever being able to do a lot of the things that you've shown over your resume and the time you've spent here that you've done really well to do a lot of great things for this organization. They're all over Tucker now. They're looking at Fromber and Tucker. They don't want to extend either guy. They want you to be very careful. Obviously, baseball teams need to be very financially uh, responsible with the way they spend their money. We know what these two guys have been for this franchise for the long haul, but everybody's focused on what just happened. Tucker's struggling. Fromber hasn't had two, two very good starts in the playoffs. And yet everybody's ready to pull the plug. It's just that 24-second news cycle with people. When things go bad, that's all they can focus on. It, I mean, Fromber Valdez, 
the midway point this year was the first half Cy Young in the American he League. Absolutely was. And now the city is ready to start a 28 year old rookie over that guy. And look, I understand how the you last know, six weeks went. Like I understand that Fromber hasn't been pitching well. I understand that Fromber was very a very very big reason that you lost yesterday. JP France looked good in relief. JP France has been incredibly solid, incredibly productive. I can't imagine in a possible elimination game that you're choosing JP France over Fromber Valdez. Could you imagine if somebody told you that in May? No, you couldn't. <laughs> people would, you would get laughed right off the air or right off the phone lines or however you, you reached out to try and suggest that. But again, to that same Janet Jackson mentality, you saw J.P. France yesterday. He was part of the bullpen that kept it together, as you mentioned. That's what people remember. That's their frame of mind now. Fromber, bad. J.P. France, good. No-brainer. Gotta start J.P. France. This guy, uh, 6761, why do you always think that the voices on Twitter are the majority? They're not. They're just the loudest. Because it's not only on the Twitter. It's, it's on the text line. We see it all over. A little bit on the Twitch, too. Um, someone here as well. Let's see. Where's the chains one here? 6030. Been a, been a huge Frommer critic because of his selfishness and attitude after the All-Star game. Too many overreactions after the bad game. No matter what, you have to live and die by the, uh, by the Frommer sword. That's about my take, too. Like, you have to live and die on one of your most talented pitchers if you get to a game six. Hopefully, the Astros do. I also have noticed that that attitude from Fromber. I don't know if it's, hey, I wanted an extension, never got it. You know, the, the Astros have asked a lot of Fromber Valdez, though, quite frankly. They, they haven't given him an extension. They told him not to pitch in the WBC. He did not. He badly wanted to start the All-Star game. They told him no. He did not go. And I have seen a different Fromber Valdez since that point. Is it the excuse? Is it the reason he's pitched poorly? I certainly hope not. But I did notice a different Fromber Valdez since he's come back from the All-Star game. And the Astros did tell him not to pitch in the WBC, which he did. On all of this... And they didn't give Frommer Valdez an extension. Not to say that that was a poor decision, because I'm not a big believer in signing guys into their mid-30s, so I probably wouldn't have given Frommer a contract extension either. But not giving Frommer an extension and then telling him on two different occasions, we don't want you to do this, I think probably upset Frommer Valdez. There's no doubt. And everybody handles it differently. And, and if you look at these type, type situations, there are guys that just have blinders on. They know they have a job to do. And and they can channel out the noise and all the things that have happened uh, off the field, and they just do what they are supposed to do. And Verlander, for the most of, for most of his career, he's been able to do. He's one of those guys that's been able to do it. Clemens was able to do it for the most part. They dial in, and then nothing else matters. And then you see there are other guys that can't get away from it. They can't put it behind him. They can't walk away from it. What's the pitcher from Milwaukee? Corbin Burns. Corbin Burns went to arbitration a year ago. And the Brewers said some things honestly because it was a matter of, you know, six figures. Some, and, and it was going back and forth. It's all supposed to be just part of the business, part of the game. And everybody's supposed to be good when they walk out the door and they agree upon a figure and they go forward. He can't get over it. He won't get over it. And because of it, he probably won't resign with the Brewers when it's time. See, I disagree that, with that, though. Like if, if, if the Milwaukee Brewers gave him what he wanted right now, he would sign on the dotted line like that. I don't. I don't we, think we so. saw it. We saw it with Lamar Jackson. We saw it with Jonathan Taylor. Like, oh, I hate the Ravens. I'm demanding a trade. Jonathan Taylor. Oh, I hate Jim Irsay. Oh, I hate the Colts. Oh, now you want to give me my contract that I wanted? Cool, I'll sign. If they gave Corbin Burns the highest, like the biggest contract in Major League Baseball history for a well, starter, he would sign immediately. Well, like, but they, will they forget it? Because the, the the big thing is is that obviously if the money is there, everybody's going to do what they feel is the, in their best interest financially. But will they ever forget it? Will they ever be able to put it behind them? Will it, Will they still have it lingering around? And will guys that were part of that meeting or in that decision, will they ever Will they ever have the kind of cordial relationship going forward? Some guys can't get over that stuff. And sure, they'll sign on the dead line to get paid, but they don't forget that stuff. Yeah, I would argue those people are soft, though. Like, quite frankly, like if you can't put aside... that's part of it. Maybe, and this is to this texture here eight eight zero two nine is Fromber soft? I think mentally. Yes, I yes. don't think I don't think he's soft. I think he's just. Jeremy. I think he's mentally weak. Boom. Well, well, I was just gonna say. <laughs> okay, time I out. Explain it to me like I'm five. What's the difference? Yeah, because that's that's what I was just gonna say. Well, Physically, I, he is a strong, capable guy that has great stuff when he is right, but mentally, 
should we say he's fragile then if he's not soft because he is delicate mentally? Yeah, I think it's more of a mental thing. Like soft, like I don't think he's soft. Like I, I think that he would pitch through a sprained ankle. I think he would gut out seven innings if he was feeling under the weather. Like I, I don't think that he's the. I don't think he's Lance McCullers where he needs the you know the rubber to be perfectly white and a speck of dust can't be on it to pitch but didn't well. He tripped down the stairs and, and, and with his ankle and he didn't pitch against the Mets. Well, I think that was the story, so he could try to start the All-Star yeah, game. No, I'm, I'm just, I'm funning with that part yeah. of it to see how tough he is. But I think he's mentally soft. I I'm, think that there are guys, whether we call him fragile or delicate or whatever, he just mentally, we've seen it on the field. We, you know, he tried to, I think just his post-game conference, his, and his comments too. Yeah. I think he's mentally soft. I just don't, I don't think soft is the, is the word, is the word to describe it. Like, I think soft, I think of a dude who is like, he, he's not tough as opposed to tough-minded. Like, Fromber Valdez is not the guy who I would call soft. Like, Fromber Valdez is going to be a tough son of a gun. Is Fromber Valdez going to lose his mind after a seeing-eye single and a bloop single? Yeah, he's he is going to do that. Yeah, I guess that's not soft. I don't think it's the same thing. Like, like it's a dude who's like, loses his temper in a bar, said, and he's going to kick your butt. Like, that dude's not soft, he's just mentally not all there, right? Like, I think I think they're two different things. So was that mental? I said, I don't I think it's mentally soft. Mentally I, fragile. Yeah, and then you change to mentally soft. No, I think mentally I said, fragile but I, but, is I fair. I think he is soft mentally. Yeah, I don't. I don't think he's soft mentally. I think he has a very difficult time checking his emotions. And I, I, I find this to be similar to, like, that friend that you have that you go to the bar with, and he's going to fight at the quickest moment no matter what. Like, that guy's not mentally all there. He's not mentally strong. But I wouldn't call him soft either. But if you're not mentally strong... The opposite would be, in my opinion, would be mentally soft in the fact that you can't handle those situations. And so, therefore, mentally strong to me means a guy that's so tough-minded that, you know, when the going gets tough, no matter what, he's going to get going. He's going to dial in, and he's going to deal. Yeah, 5199, I think, describes it perfectly. Hot-headed. Like, he's hot-headed, loses control of his emotions, and that makes him lose his either control or his ability to get guys out. Focus, I, right? Like the guy's pitching 200 innings the last like 3 years. That that that's not a soft guy. Like he's a bulldog. Now he's a bulldog that if you if you, you know, have another dog like getting on his territory, he might lose his mind and not be able to, you know, pitch effectively. But I, I don't think that Frommer's soft. To your point, physically he is not soft because he can give you 200 innings. His arm will hold up. He's got great stuff. But if mentally, yeah. at the first drop of a hat or blink of an eye, that he could go off and go off the rails, and then he isn't able to cap- he isn't capable of finishing the deal. To me, I don't know how that isn't soft. I think it's hot headed. I think it's hot headed. I don't think that it's. I'm not going to call Fromber soft. Like there's a difference between Fromber and, and Lance McCullers. Where if Lance McCullers doesn't have his bun up in the perfect spot, that he's going to give up five runs through two innings. Where if there's uh, if if the mound's not perfectly manicured, that he's going to have trouble getting out of the fourth. Like th- there's a difference there to me. I think it's hot headed. I think he loses his composure. I think he is mentally weak. But I'm not going to call that soft. I, I, I'm not. You can't. Obviously. I think. I think. I think it's it's just semantics of what you're labeling. I think they're it. two different things. I, I, I do. I don't. I, I just. But for, regardless, I think that's something. If you do want to factor in the discussions about an extension and, and talking about that, that stuff's going to come up. You know, the team's going to probably they're going to focus on it. I don't know if they're going to bring it up or not. But you got to believe that that's that's going to weigh into what the the Astros kind of thought process. As they go forward, because they got to focus on is it fixable? Yeah, Can you I, fix those. Things? They tried the sports psychologist. Is it fixable? I, I don't think that they were going to sign Fromber before all of this. And, and this, you're right, it does not help. I don't, I don't think that they're going to pay what Fromber wants to get paid. Seven one three seven eight zero ESP and HRP listener line is Fromber mentally weak? Is Fromber soft? Is Fromber hot headed? And we got to get to that fifth inning yesterday, the bane of the Astros' existence in Game Two. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Killer bees on ESP and ninety seven five and ESP and ninety two five. Hey, before we go to the break, a few words for Apollo Men's Health. I'm a big advocate of Apollo Men's Health and Dr. O and the stuff that they're able to do because I've seen the results. They got me to working out again. They got me feeling right again. They got me more energy. I get a B12 shot every Friday and I feel like it gives me some more energy because as you get older, you feel like you can't get everything done in a day that you used to be able to get done. A lot of people struggle with men and women are in there getting B12 shots. They're getting hormone therapy. They're getting things done for them there so that they can get things done every day and they get you the results that you're after. That's what I love about them. Go to ApolloMH.com online right now. See all the services that they offer. If there's a few that you think might be able to help you, sign up right there online for your first appointment. Most major insurance is accepted. There's discounts for military personnel and first responders. Give them a shot. Go in. 
Talk to them. Tell them what's ailing you. Tell them where you're coming up short. They'll find a way to put you on a program that works and get you the results you need. From the boardroom to the weight room to the bedroom, if you aren't what you used to be, there's a way you still can be thanks to the people at Apollo Men's Health. they got three great locations across town to make sure that they better serve you. You mentioned my name, Joel Blank, on your first visit, a free B12 shot like I get. Or you can also try a full body composition analysis, which charts all your numbers so that when you're working out and you feel like it's not going anywhere, you can see if your body fat numbers go down, your muscle mass numbers go up. All the right numbers make sense. And if they do, you'll feel better knowing you're going in the right direction. Check them out today and tell them I sent you by. Go see the people at Apollo Men's Health. ESPN 97.5.com. One of these guys cheats at fishing. We got weights and fish. There we go. When the world is your oyster, where do you bank? This uh, Astros being down 0-2 makes you sad as a, as a sports fan. Let me make you happy as a homeowner, though. You, you're, you're probably not happy with your home insurance rates. They're nuts, 30 40 50% increases. We know it's ridiculous and super expensive, but I'm, I'm going to save you money right now. How do you stop all of this? How do you pay lower rates? Grab your phone right now because you're about to text TGS Insurance Agency. TGS is the fastest growing agency in Texas. Why? Because they make you they make saving you money fast and easy. That's what I want to hear. I want to hear fast, easy, and I don't want to do a darn thing. We don't have to at TGS because their instant quoting system will shop the market for you. It delivers you a proposal in 15 seconds. Very, very fast. You can't afford to wait any longer. Start saving money right now. Take the phone. Take text the word money M O N E Y to twenty three twenty three twenty three. The TGS system will ask for your address. Send them back your your address, and you will get excellent coverage within fifteen seconds. It's easy. TGS is winning people everywhere, uh, from Beaumont to Cyprus, Katy to the Woodlands. TGS customers save big. Over thirty five thousand of your neighbors in the area trust TGS, and with thousands of five star reviews, you can trust TGS as as well. Simple, fast, easy, and huge savings. That's why TGS is the gold standard. Don't be left paying more. Get your savings right now. Text money to 232323. Money to 232323. Most bees make honey. These killer bees make great sports insights, but they also make honey. Don't ask about the process. From the Veritex Community Bank Studios, it's Joel and Jeremy. Lamont on the uh, the Twitter, Frommer Valdez is mentally soft as wet toilet t- uh, wet toilet tissue. I like the uh, the puppy poo in the rain logic there. That's one of my favorite lines. Softer than puppy poop in the rain. Uh, Try picking that up with one bag. <laughs> that's probably what I'm leaving. Sorry, it ain't neighbors. fun. Uh, eight zero. That's why I don't have dogs. You do. You probably had to experience all that. I speak from experience. Indeed, See, I do. I love dogs. I want nothing to do with taking care of a dog. Just don't. I don't want to have to deal with puppy poo in the rain. I don't want to have to do with hair all over the place. I just can't. It's an adventure. Yeah. And another one lately. Spring. They happen all the time. You just, you just you never know when it's going to. When they're going to rear their head and do something else. I'll take your word for it. I don't, I don't want to experience it. 8029, Brandon, when he pitches at home, they have to wear the blue jerseys. That's superstitious. Yes, That's is. superstition from uh, uh, from Fromber. That's you see superstition? All that, it, probably. You can, you can put it that way, it. too. What's that? Maybe change it. It's not working. They used to They used to go to the orange. Remember? Well, not he, used to. They they He was going blue for a while. It wasn't working, and then he switched to the orange. In August or September, for at least one yeah, start, I think he it was did. back-to-back. Yeah, he changed it. I'm pretty sure he threw the no-hitter in orange. Ooh, I don't know about that. Pretty sure. Because I would think... Who was it, it against? It, it, it was against Detroit? Yeah, it was. Cleveland. I think it was Detroit. No, he's right. It's Cleveland. It was Cleveland because they, they had a couple guys out of the oh, lineup. Oh, Detroit was the one where he carried a no-hitter like the end of the seventh, and then they lost. They lost in the ninth. Yeah, then they lost in the ninth. Because you would see. think if he's superstitious and he, he threw a he, no hitter oh, in the orange, he was wearing blue. Yeah, if he was wearing the orange, he would have changed. Yeah, he did. Maybe the one in Detroit's whenever he was wearing the blue. And I just got he was wearing orange against Detroit. Yes, he was. Yes. Okay. Uh, for some reason, I thought it was Detroit that he threw the no hitter against, but that's the one he carried one, and then they lost it. It kind of unraveled, which seems to happen a lot uh, with Frommer Valdez. Seven one three seven eight zero three. Standing seven, on that seven, hill, six. you went at McCullers and Jordan, and I, I think he's mentally soft. I just think okay. I just hope it's fixable, and I don't think that it is. Uh, I think he's always going to be a bit wild horse, where he's always this, he's always on the brink of it. Like, and it's a fine line. Like, if if he can if he can control it, if things are going well, he's capable of throwing a no hitter. He's capable of being dominant. He's capable of being the best pitcher in the American League. 
one thing that happens that goes against him, whether it's a throwing error, whether it's him throwing at somebody, it, it all unravels. And if you get to a game six, I want the guy that can go nine no-hit innings versus a J.P. France who has an ERA around four. Now, if you start to see it unravel, you, you have to have the quick trigger. You have to have a fireman to come clean out the inning and then J.P. France to carry it the bulk of the innings in, until you get it to the bullpen. Uh, 713-780-ESPN. Now, Frommer was... The lead, I think, the reason that the Astros lost the game. To me, it was two reasons, though. It was Fromber, and it was the fifth inning. We all know in the fifth inning, the Astros load the bases, nobody out. Uh, Dusty Baker did something that I'm going to applaud him do- for doing. He pinch hit Yiner Diaz for Martin Maldonado. We've been asking him to do this for the start of the postseason, even in the regular season when games didn't matter as much as the postseason. Michael Brantley. Leads it off with a single. Chaz McCormick gets a single. Pena reaches on the error by Young at third base. You have the bases loaded, nobody out, bottom of the fifth. This is your chance. You're down 5-2 to two at this point to just hang a crooked number, right? Make it, a, make it a one-run game. Score two runs. Par for the course with bases loaded, nobody out, two runs. Shoot par. Get the two runs there. Make it a one-run game. Dusty makes a good decision, even though it didn't work. It was a good decision for Dusty, and I applaud Dusty for doing it. He goes to the bench for Yiner Diaz, who strikes out. Mm, That one stings. That's not good. But okay, you still got the bases loaded one out with Jose Altuve coming to the plate. Jose Altuve strikes out. Your leadoff guy, the guy that's supposed to be the face that runs the place, the face of this organization, the greatest player in Astro history, strikes out in that spot. Critical. And then Alex Bregman ends the inning by grounding out to third base. Fromber? In the fifth inning, the reason the Astros lost yesterday. There is no doubt the one and only game-defining moment was that that inning, that fifth inning, that situation. And, and I kept hanging in there. I was going to pick up my kids, and I'm like, I can't even leave the car. This is ideal. They got a chance to flip the script right now. They're going to get at least one run, if not a crooked number. And they are sitting in the driver's seat, and then just hearing it, and then going back and watching it, and saying all you need is contact. You should, no matter what, at least contact your way into at least one run in that situation. The the fact that you came away empty and the momentum that Uvalde and that team carried away from that and then what a deflating moment it seemed to be for the for the Astros walking away from it. And you're right. It would have been one thing if it was Maldi. It would have been one thing if it was the, the lower third of the order. But you're talking about two of your three guys, the top of your order, two of your best contact pit, hitters. And Bregman, obviously, with two outs, he's got a great eye for the strike zone. But with two outs, you, you need a hit there no matter what. You can't settle for the fly ball. But for Altuve, it's an excusable and and Yiner, that's just man. He is struggling in the playoffs for as much as everybody wanted to see him out there. Yeah, what is it? O for eight, six strikeouts. Yeah. Actually, I think that made it O for eight. So I think he's now O for ten in the postseason. Now it is difficult being asked to like spot start play every now and then. You come in in a critical spot, but yeah, look, Yiner's got to pay off his manager there. Uh, we've been asking for it. We've been begging for it. I still think it's the right decision, even though it didn't work. I agree. But Yiner's got to Yiner's got to pick up his manager in that spot. That was that was the inning where it just felt like it slipped all away. You got you get a run in the sixth, make it uh, a five to three game. You get the run in the eighth inning, make it five to four, and it's like, oh, you have a fighter's chance. Score like just score a run with the bases loaded, yeah, nobody out in the fifth inning. At least kind of get the momentum back by getting the run there and and, and you know kind of building it up like you, you're you're in it and you're close and you can you can still win it. And, and you look at it, and for all the people that are Maldi lovers too, the one thing you avoided there. Maldi would have hit it into a double play, chances are. He, he's so susceptible to the double play. That would have been a complete backbreaker. He might have scored a run, but I'm just saying, that, would have been, that wouldn't have been any fun either. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't I don't. You know. needed multiple there if you could. I, I don't know how that inning goes if Maldonado hits in that spot. There's a decent chance that Maldonado also strikes out. You mentioned, like, I mean, he was 0-for-1 with the Evaldi in a strikeout. Now, Maldi has hit Evaldi pretty good in his career, but I'm pinching, I'm pinch-hitting there. I, I don't know if Maldi no. strikes out in that spot. I don't know if he hits into a double play in that spot. Hey, it, it could have been a 5-2-3 double play in that spot, for all we know. I thought it was a good decision. Didn't work out. And if you're the Astros as a whole, Yiner, Altuve, Bregman can pick them all up. You got You got to find a way to scratch at least a at run least. with the bases loaded, nobody out. It reminded me of the Walt Weiss play back in the uh, 90s with the old killer bees that just couldn't produce. 713-780-ESPN. Let's go out to the HRMP listener line. Michael, you're in the hive. What's up, Michael? Hey, Jeremy, how you doing? Great, thank you. Oh, thanks, Mike. Have a good day, buddy. Hey, don't be so salty. Go ahead, Mike. Hey, Jeremy, What's up? Can you hear me? I can hear you just fine. 
Yeah, hey, I, I, I got a question for you, man. I'll be honest, man. We all know that Fromberg lost that game yesterday, yeah. man. I mean, he just, I he just can't. He, he, he isn't trustworthy, man. But I'm going to ask you, Road Astros are real, man. Um, what do you think you're taking? They got three in Arlington. What are you thinking? I'm thinking at minimum two they take out, maybe three. I say Stroh's in six, man. What are you thinking? Appreciate it, Michael. Appreciate the call. I was uh, I thought it was going to be a mound visit call, to be honest. That's where I thought it was going there. I think the Astros take two of three in Arlington. I really do. I think they go into Arlington. They've had better success on the road. I think that it is real. Uh, Javier versus Scherzer. I mean, is it playoff Javier showing up? Is it second half of the year Javier? Which Scherzer are you getting? Are you going to get Scherzer that can only throw 50 pitches? That's you know. Remember when they banged up on Eovaldi, his yeah. first game yep. without a rehab? Maybe say. you can do that. Uh, or Keeney's been nails in the playoffs. He, he's lining up for game four. Who knows what the Rangers are doing? You, you have Verlander ready to go in a game five. I still think you get two of three in Arlington. No, I feel good about it because I think they're going to feel good about it. They know when they get into that building, they know what they've been able to do this year. They they know that even if – and they've dealt with all the crowds and everything, but it's a different story. It's a playoff slaughter. Sure it is. But they kind of thrive on that. And so I still have confidence. I said Astros in six. I, I I hope that's the case, but I don't think they're out of this series as much as a lot of people do that have their dauber down today and are already thinking about the offseason and next year. I think that because they've flourished so much on the road, not just this year, but over the last couple of years with all they've had to endure, that if any team has the capability to do this, it's them. But they have to really, I mean, look, there's things that you just have to tighten up. It's a must win, in my opinion, though, this first one. Because you get back in the series if you get this first one in Arlington. And I think, to your point about Scherzer, I thought about Uvalde the same way. Look, you can do all the simulations and simulated starts and up-downs and get those what he he's not stretched out enough and he's not facing other teams major league hitters with the type of lineup that the Astros have or a lot of other major league teams for that matter i don't expect a ton out of out of max scherzer and i think you can get to them early because of it i think and i think the situation sets up where the Astros can get this first one. Yeah, you can't go down 3-0. There's no, no doubt about uh, that. 713-780-3776. We'll get to your thoughts, questions, concerns about the Astros. Also is What's the answer in center field for the Astros right now? Chaz was not too pleased with his performance yesterday. He had been hitting pretty well prior to yesterday. Dubon has been hitting well for the second half of the year. What's the answer in center field? And outside of the bullpen and Jordan, are there any other bright spots right now for the Astros? 713-780-ESPN, 713-780-3776. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. I've been back in the gym since last week feeling great, feeling good, feeling alive. Iron 24 Fitness and Recovery is helping me out. I'm very thankful for that. I'm excited for this because, like many of you, I haven't focused or prioritized working out for a while now. But that's over thanks to Iron 24 Fitness and Recovery. It's a new kind of gym that's perfect for me, and it'll be perfect for you too. 24-7 access, which is perfect for our busy schedules. Personally, I don't like contracts. I don't like hidden fees. I don't like dealing with salespeople. I don't want a gym tour. I don't want a sales sales call. And I don't have to worry about any of that with Iron 24 Fitness and recovery because it's 100% digital. I love that about Iron 24. Every Iron 24 facility has everything you need. Free weights, machines, any cardio that you need, it's all ideal. Tons of space, everything you need to get a good workout in without people bothering you. Also, for your post-workout, signature recovery rooms with infrared saunas. You'll love that. Iron 24 Fitness and Recovery has four locations around Houston. More opening soon. I go to the one in Conroe, a couple of Pearland locations, and one in Lake Jackson. And more are on the way as well. In fact, Magnolia and Sugarland are enrolling now. Another great perk is that members get universal 24 access to any location. I'm down south. I can hop in the one at Pearland. For a limited time, participating Iron 24 locations are offering new member ESPN listeners Listeners, two weeks free with zero down when they join with the Iron 24 app. Go to iron24.com slash ESPN, iron24.com slash ESPN, and get started with Iron 24 Fitness and Recovery today. ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Dude. Ah, you know what old Jack Burton always says at a time like this? Broadcasting live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, deep inside the secret bee cave. It's Joel Blank and Jeremy Brenham. Depressed Longhorn fan on Twitter. I'd rather die before watching Fromber start. 
That's that's he, a little extreme. That's extreme. There. It's that's extreme. Excessive. But he seems. Out, I mean, man. he seems to be a little sad though. He's, he says he's a depressed Longhorn fan, and his handles at sad Longhorn fan. Well, I mean, so I'd be sad just, too. Maybe he just thrives on misery. Why they're in a decent spot? Mm. They lost Oklahoma. I mean, it's one game. Yeah, but they they went out. They're fine. Yeah, they get back there and get another shot at it. No, they're going to go down this week. Uh, he's blank on oh, Bradham. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. Go Cougs! Four one eight seven. Hey bees! I just saw a bird sighting. The bird was thrown by the driver who was in the wrong. You got one four one eight seven. Your bird count went up one today. Right. Uh, let's go back out to the HRP listener line, 713-780-3776. Rob, you're in the high with the bees. What's up, Rob? Hey, guys. Appreciate you taking my call. I think Dusty's done a great, uh, pretty good job this uh, this series with his uh, with his calls and his pinch hit and everything. I want to get your take on a, a situation that ended up being a moot point, uh, but it, it still worries me with, with Dusty's inability to look at the, the, the details. He's got to break you on first in the ninth inning. And uh, no pinch runner. And Abreu is probably the second slowest runner on the team. You've got Dubon and Kessinger on the bench, who both are considerably faster. Both can play first base. And I don't, I don't think that the play at third at the end has any, makes any difference. But I, I know with a faster runner, maybe it speeds up the, the third base into, into an error. Just wanted to get your call on that. Thanks a lot, guys. Well, appreciate the call. No, look, I, I had, I, I had in the back of my mind, uh, the thought as well, because it's a one-run game, and managers manage that way in run, one-run games. And even if you're going to extra innings and you, you're, you're willing to take the risk of at least getting there by taking out one of the guys in the middle of your lineup to make sure that you have a better chance to get the one run you need to keep the game going. I think you got to live in the moment there. The urgency is to get the one run across. And I think that if you, you, know, you want to look at things and, and analyze Dusty, that's one of them where I personally would I would have pinch it. I mean, a pinch run there. Yeah, I would use Dubon in that spot, and I I tweeted a I, I tweeted about pinch running too at Jeremy Branham. I would have also used him as a pinch hitter there for Chess. Like I Thought think about that, that I think well. Rishi Dubon has a better chance of getting a base hit. And it was the eighth inning. Uh, you had a Brayu at second. They wanted nothing to do with Michael Brantley. They 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 walked Michael Brantley unintentionally. Yep to get a first and second situation with two outs for Chaz McCormick. they rather have faced Chaz McCormick first and second, two outs, tying run now at second base, than Michael Brantley with a runner at first base. Think about that for a second. I would have used Dubon to either pinch hit for uh, for McCormick or run for Abreu. Absolutely would have pinch run in that spot. Uh, and I'm not worried about Abreu's spot coming up later in the game. Like, you're chasing a run. It's the bottom of the eighth. He's not Jordan Alvarez, where if it does come up later in the game, where you're just, like, devastated that you've, you've pinch hit or pinch ran for him like if the game goes into the 11th inning do you want Jose Abreu in that spot do you want Mauricio Dubon in that spot I don't think there's a huge drop off of there either way I I think the other thing too as it relates to the Chaz Dubon conversation in the eighth is the fact that you know I've said over and over again Chaz has got such a long swing and and he just you could just tell it, it just he wasn't comfortable he didn't look like you know he didn't have much pitch selection he was chasing a lot of stuff Dubon, when he, when you played him at the, you know er, in the playoffs so far, he's come up for you, and he's more of a contact hitter. I would I I would trust him to put bat to baseball, and I I would I would have no problem or qualms if Dusty had made that move. Dubon's one of the best on the team at touching the ball. He's one of your best contact hitters. Nine four zero four brings up a, a good point here too, and I saw some people talking about this, and I, I don't I don't disagree really. Um, Yiner's 0 for 10, Maldi's 2 for 17, blah, 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 blah. He said it should have been Dubon pinch hitting for Maldi and then Yiner coming in to catch after that. What do you think about Dubon pinch hitting in the fifth inning instead of Yiner Diaz for Martin Maldonado? Bases loaded, nobody out. Instead of Yiner, you go with Dubon in the fifth. I don't, I don't mind it. Again, because of what you just said, we are in a situation where you need contact. You need to at least get one run across. We're all in agreement there. And we know what we've seen of Yiner so far in these playoffs. He's been a little bit tense. He's not the same hitter. He's been very you know quick to pull the trigger and swing and miss, chase a lot of pitches out of the zone. I would have been totally fine if he put Doobie there and then put Yiner in the game to catch. And I think that you live with a guy that doesn't have the pop of Yiner, but you got a pretty damn good chance that he's going to put the bat on the baseball and get a run across. Yeah, I wouldn't have minded that at all. And if you want to get really creative, you can do like a double switch there. I wouldn't have done the double switch, but like if you don't want to lose Dubon, then you could have like put in Yiner for Chaz's spot, something like that. But that kind of runs into some issues too, because now you have Yiner behind Brantley instead of Chaz behind Brantley. But you had some options there. I don't, I don't hate that at all, especially like where you're in a spot where you want contact. I think that would have been a, a good decision. I know that I'm a Yiner Diaz stand, 
I trust I trust Mauricio Dubon to put the ball in play far more than I trust Yonder Diaz. Yonder Diaz has the tendency to swing and miss. 713-780-3776. Back out to the HRMP listener line. Jerry, you're in the hive. What's going on, Jerry? Hey, guys. How you doing? Um, man, it's, it's tough to go 0-2, uh, but the weirdest thing, like y'all said multiple times, is that we could go up to Arlington and win three games. Now, our kitty pitched great last time. Javier did so, too. And Verlander's doing great things. But who's not to say we'll drop two games up there? You know, if this thing ends by Friday, it's going to be one of the longest weekends of, of, of the year because there's, there's not even going to be checking football this Sunday. So uh, I, I really do hope for Kitty and Javier uh, win games and Verlander bring it back to Houston. Uh, but, man, if you if you win two up there, yikes. I don't know if they can win two at home. And, and I'll think and I'll listen. Yeah, you'd have two at home with – I think Fromber in Game Six yep. and a Javier in Game Seven. Rangers would probably have uh, Evaldi in a Game Six, and then however Scherzer does in uh, Game Four, you know maybe he would come back in a Game Seven. It wouldn't. It wouldn't stun me if the Astros go into Arlington and win all three, just like they did in the last series they played say, in Arlington. Just look at the Minnesota series, and that was just a one-one split here, where people and obviously in a shorter series, a five-game spread. When you look at it, you go, man, this might be really tough. And there was a lot of apprehension going to the Twin Cities and then coming out of it. It's like, this is a different situation than any other team in baseball because of what they've been through, been there, done that mentality. This team kicks ass on the road. This team, for whatever the reason, strange or otherwise, they, they're able to focus more, flip a switch, and they, they really dial in on the road. And so it's different than thinking about this with almost any other team in baseball when you think, you know what? They're not out of this thing. When they go on the road, and as daunting as it seems, because they've also played really well and absolutely handed it to the Rangers in a three-game series the last time there, they're probably coming into that series going, yeah, we know we're in a hole, but we have a lot of confidence because of what we've been through and what we did here. And there are guys that have been on that were on this team when they played the Nationals, and there was no home games won that entire series. Like we saw it then. Like Good you, point. Now, you hope the re- end result is better, but... We saw it then in 2019. You know, you lose two at home, then you win three, and then you lost the next two at home. So it's definitely winning three on the road is 100% possible. Even Dusty Baker said, said today, our guys see great here. So there's no bad batter's eye. We're in a good spot. We'll be fine. <laughs> I mean, I think a lot of people that are on a ledge right now would take winner-take-all game seven at Minute Maid Park, even if it's at home, instead and figure that at least you got a shot. But I think that most people looking at this series know – this team is scary on the road, so by no means are they out of it. But by everything, with all chips in the middle of the table, I think it's a must. I think it's a must win this next game. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. I think it's a ninety nine percent must win, as close as you can get, but almost there. Uh, let's go out to the HRMP listener line. Paul, you're in the hive. What's going on, Paul? Hey, fellas, I agree with uh, the last takes and the last two callers. Just kind of, I think, a rarity me on this show, but um, one of the things that been, I've noticed this year, and it's been that way since the beginning, there there's a lack of on-field, I would say, leadership, and it's manifest in a, in a variety of ways. Uh, you can just look at the last two pitching changes, in, in-game in pitching changes, and I'm putting this on Altuve. He makes a, he's the captain of the team. He's the longest tenured. He makes the most money. He, well, other than Verlander, I guess, makes more money, but he wasn't even on the mound during the last two pitching changes. He was off by himself both of the times. Now, maybe he doesn't want to get the virus that's going through the team. I don't know. But during the Framber pitching change and the JV pitching change, he was he was the only one that was not part of that scrum. And this team just – there's something different with this team. They, they're not having fun. They just don't seem as cohesive. And I think they've – I mean, I, I think I've got my ideas on why this is happening, but – they don't have an on-field, like, positive guy. Like, Correa was one like that. Obviously, they won last year without Correa. The last year's team was stacked. It was different. There was no, you know, reported clubhouse issues like we're hearing this year. Something's different about this team this year. Appreciate it, Paul. Um, you, you you brought it up. I mean, they, they won the World Series last year. Like, I don't think they're missing Carlos Correa. They beat 
Carlos Correa. Yeah, two different teams. Altuve, to your point about Altuve, Altuve's a bit of a front runner for Jose Altuve. Like, if Jose Altuve's not having a good day at the plate, Jose Altuve will pout. Like, Jose Altuve will get in his feelings a little bit and, and kind of disenfranchise himself from the team in that game. If Jose Altuve's three for four, Jose Altuve is going to be friendly and, you know, uh, cordial to everybody. But I, I don't think this team has a lack of leadership problem. Like, you heard Michael Brantley told that had the big speech last year. Michael Brantley's still on this team. You've heard about Justin Verlander's, you know, big rah-rah speech in the clubhouse or the dugout, wherever it was. He's on this team. Alex Bregman sending a group chat. I don't think that leadership is the issue with this team. They well, lost 2 nothing when they needed, couldn't right? score any offense the other day. And they lost yesterday 5-4 to four when Fromber Valdez couldn't get out of the third. And they had a bases-loaded, nobody-out situation in the fifth. You score two runs there. You score three runs on, on Friday uh, or Saturday or Sunday, rather. You're not talking about lack of leadership. I, I don't – I'm not uh, – I'm going to trash that uh, that opinion. No, Maldi calling team meetings as well. There's plenty of veterans that have experience that can do what, what you're looking for someone to do. But the fact is, when you point the finger at Altuve, he's not that type of guy. Some guys – want that they 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 know what they feel like they have to do it it's for them as well as it is for the team we saw Correa do it we've seen others that do it they're more demonstrative Altuve and I go back to the time that that uh McCullers tried to show up uh uh Yuli at first base on, on an air and Altuve didn't do it on the field he didn't want the attention he pulled him all the way towards the entrance to the tunnel at the end of the dugout and, and they had a talk and that's kind of the personality. You can't force that on someone that doesn't want to do that. And that doesn't mean that they're not a leader per se. It's just that I don't think that we should be relying on someone that comes in and starts screaming at everybody at, at the mound uh, to make a difference in this team one way or the other. Everybody knows what their job is to do it, and they need to do it regardless if anybody's a cheerleader or not. Yeah, I don't think leadership's the issue for this team. Seven one three seven eight zero espn Your thoughts on the first two games of the series, and what is the solution in center field for the Astros? Seven one three seven eight zero espn Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. What do I need to do when I have a car accident? It's a question you ask yourself if you're ever in a car accident or if somebody you know is in a car accident. Well, what you need to do is call Hollingsworth Law Firm immediately. They're going to help you better than anybody else, and you don't have to worry about paying an arm and a leg because you will not pay Hollingsworth until you win. Guys, that's the difference maker. The fact is, when you get in an accident, almost instantaneously, you feel alone. You're like, who do I call? What do I do? And you immediately start thinking about all the negatives, thinking how bad this entire situation could be. But with the Hollingsworth Law Firm, the fact that you're not going to pay is just only part of the entire deal. The other part of it is they're going to be in your corner every step of the way. Whether you're battling the insurance company to get what you rightfully deserve or battling the other driver who was at fault and doesn't seem to want to pay or go through and make sure that they... They take care of the situation and make it right. Hollingsworth Law Firm is going to stand by you every step of the way. They're going to be in your corner, and they're going to do everything in their power to get everything back for you. Your vehicle in the right condition, you in the right shape, and everything back to the way it was. Do not let these insurance companies run over you. Call Hollingsworth Law Firm whenever you get in an accident. You or someone you know has been injured in a wreck. Give them a call right now for your free consultation. 713-999-8773-713-999-8773. Or just go to the website, carwrecktexas.com. It's carwrecktexas.com. ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. We're your daddy. You was a toilet baby. Tiff just popped down like a little old turd, just right down in a bowl. For the first time ever, John Mayer, solo and acoustic. And tour 20 years in the making. Live in Houston, Toyota Center, October 30th, with special guest J.P. Sachs. Get tickets now at toyotacenter.com. Don't miss this incredibly rare and special evening with John Mayer. For more, visit johnmayer.com. ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5 brought to you by Zadok Jewelers, KFNC and KFNC HD2, Mont Bellevue, Houston. You're back where you belong in the Veritex Community Bank Studios with the killer bees who won't sting you unless provoked. Here's Joel and Jeremy. He's Blank. I'm Branham. Killer Bees, ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5, 713-780-3776. What's the answer in center field in three minutes? First, let's go out to the HRP listener line. Brett, you're in the hive. What's up, Brett? Hey, guys. I'd like to preface my opinion um, 
saying that I am a Fromber fan, and I believe you could look at the body of work at the 2022 season, and I would have voted for Fromber for Cy Young over Verlander. Just want to get that out there. Now, that being said, I was quite shocked this season uh, before game one in Seattle when y'all were having the discussion about who should start game one, Verlander or Fromber, which to me wasn't even a discussion. had to be Verlander. My question is, how many times do you have to uh, – why the, from what your eyes are telling you, that right now, Framber doesn't have it. JP is the only one that gives you a chance to stay competitive and uh, and hopefully try to win a ball game. I'll hang up and listen. Appreciate it, Brett. That's um, kind of rare for a guy that's in Framber's camp, and he's ready to turn the page for this year. I mean, Framber hasn't been good in his last no. four outings. He hasn't. And, uh, yeah, I, I wanted Framber in game one to to balance out the, the lefties in the Twins lineup. That was not right. Dusty knows more about baseball than I ever will. He knows more about baseball and the knell of his pinky than I ever will. Uh, and he made the right call going with Verlander in game one against Minnesota and not uh, not Framber Valdez. It worked out. Astros won the series in four. Um when it comes down to a potential game six, and this feels very cart before the horse here because the Astros have to win two games on the road for there to be a game six. If the decisions from Valdez, JP France, it doesn't matter if it's 3 2 Astros, 3 2 Rangers. Fromber Valdez has Cy Young stuff. Fromber Valdez has dominating stuff. Fromber Valdez can go seven shutout innings, giving up one hit, striking out eight. J.P. France isn't that guy. Like, J.P. France, you're going to try to get four, maybe five innings out of him, which, by the way, last time J.P. France threw five innings was about a month ago against Kansas City. Like, he was out of gas a little bit yesterday after throwing 38 pitches. So, J.P. France, the most he would give you is three innings. Fromber can literally put a team on his back and pitch you to victory. You can win a one nothing game with Fromber Valdez. You can win a 2-1 game with Fromber Valdez. Now, you haven't seen it in a while. The last time Fromber pitched that well was back against that same Kansas City team that J.P. France the last time he went five innings. Fromber has the pedigree. Fromber has the stuff. Fromber has been poor in his last four outings. Fromber was also poor. Was it 2020? Was it the 19 or the 21 World Series? I guess it was 21 World Series against the Braves. Whenever the Astros had nobody but Fromber and Luis Garcia. And Fromber was pitching poorly half the time, and then he was dominating the other half of the time. Fromber Valdez is one of your top two pitchers in your rotation. You have to ride the pony that you rode to the dance. So so if it's me, and I understand I'm in the minority here because people are just crushing Framber Valdez, I have to go with a guy who can be dominant. I have to go with a guy who has been the best pitcher in the American League for a long period of time. I have to go with a guy who was at one point this year the Cy Young favorite. And look, J.P. France, the other option, I like what J.P. Can I finish? Like Did I got, say something to you? I no, didn't say you did, anything. You got really annoyed. I, no, like, I, put down your I, arms. I, you got frustrated. All, if you because... haven't talked to me about being annoyed, don't ask me. Tell me I'm annoyed. I'm waiting patiently for you eh, to finish. Not so patient. But I anyways. don't need you to play Doctor Phil. But I, I can though, if you want me to. No, you can try. But you, you also, I can do it very well. Aimlessly. I can do it very well. I'm a, I'm a part-time psychologist. Great. But I, it can't be for JP France. Like, and I understand that we like what JP France has done over the course of this season. JP France is also kind of a journeyman pitcher. That's a 28 year old rookie that had a sub four ERA. Like Framber Valdez has potential to pitch a Cy Young type of game. JP France doesn't. The fact is, is when you're a manager, especially when you know that you have a manager in Dusty Baker that is more old school. You know that whether we had the debate and, and, and had a conversation about which guy would get the ball in game one, the fact is the two best pitchers, starting pitchers on your, your roster are those two guys. It's Verlander and it's Fromber. And you know that Dusty recalls the back of the baseball card. And he knows what the stats have been for Fromber Valdez over the big picture. Yeah, short term, there's a lot of concerns. But you look at that and you weigh that in, and you know that the guy making the decision that we've heard from Dana Brown is the guy that's going to make these kinds of decisions is going to lean with a guy that's been there, done that, and done a lot of good for Dusty and a lot of good for this team. The fact also is is that you have to look at who are your other options. And right now, you know that Hunter Brown hasn't been good at all. And Hunter Brown has a lot of good stuff. But Hunter Brown hasn't been very good. J.P. France hasn't had any kind of long-standing starts where you can look at him and say, look, this is a guy, one, he doesn't have the true strikeout kind of pitches that Fromber has, and two, he hasn't been stretched out enough lately to where you'd feel like you're going to get a ton out of him. But more so than anything else, you're facing a lineup in the Texas Rangers that top to bottom, one through nine, 
can get on you, figure out your tendencies, and can jump on you very quickly. Yeah, we saw that with Fromber too, but if you're going to say, if I'm going to choose between the two guys or the three guys, the guy who's been there, done that, and has the best stuff to do it right now is Fromber Valdez. Yeah. I, I feel silly having this conversation. Like, the Astros have to bring it back to Houston. Like, they have to go win two of three games. Like, why are we having the Game 6 conversation now? Like, it, it's it's just weird to me. It's you know, it's kind of the the way the conversation went with the textures and the callers and things like that. Like you still have game three, game four. But didn't we game have this five. conversation with Javier a couple weeks ago too? People just want to pull the plug. Yeah. They they just they once it's it's gone bad once or twice, they're like, We're done. That's it. Give me something else. I need change in order to feel like I'm rectifying the problem. Yeah, you're probably right. Four four oh nine, Josh. I have no concern yet. Also, Chapman gave up another homer to another Astro. He wasn't very useful at this point, but he's useless going forward. Astros in six. You hope that over a long series, hopefully it is a long series, that you see some warts in that Rangers pitching staff that's actually been pretty good in the playoffs. Well, that's the biggest thing. Their starters have given you enough depth that you haven't gotten into that bullpen enough to where you can maybe take advantage of some of the weaker links in the bullpen. They have stuck to two guys, basically, three guys. And, yeah, Chapman's been the worst of the three, but the other two guys have been pretty damn good. They got the job done. You haven't got you haven't taxed starters and done enough damage offensively so that you can get into the weakest part of their roster. What are you doing in center field rest of the series? I, I honestly think that as much as I've stood by and loved Chaz, I think right now I'm, I'm starting Doobie tomorrow. I want to see what Doobie can do because I believe that what he did so far in the playoffs is when his numbers called, he stepped up big. He was hot at the end of the season, and I could do a lot worse. I'm going to start Dubon and see what I can get from him because I know he's a contact hitter, and right now this team's not making a ton of contact. That Chaz at bat, was it the, I can't remember the inning, where he got three straight pitches in the dirt and swung and missed at all of them, that annoyed me beyond belief. Like, I wanted to pull the trigger there. That's why I wanted to pinch hit for for Chaz in the eighth inning. When you had had Abreu at second, and Brantley at first because they didn't want to pitch to Brantley because they were they rather have faced Chaz with runners at first and second than Brantley with a runner at first. I, I'm, I would have pinched it in that spot after seeing Chaz McCormick in the previous at bat. We've been Chaz lovers on this show. Mauricio Dubon's the better option in center field right now. Right now because because of offense alone. I mean, you know, if you want to nitpick, sometimes I still worry about Dubon completely backpedaling with neither shoulder towards the wall and kind of reaching up to get those balls headed for center the, the center field fence. But other than that, offensively, I don't think we can have the discussion where it's a fair fair argument one or the other. I think right now what you've seen from Chaz is he looks kind of lost. For as good as he's been this year, he looks kind of lost at the plate, and he knows that when he comes up, when people are really counting on him, and as much as it, you know, there's a lot of want to, he, he looks like he's lost at the plate. And Dubon has had really good at-bats. He's gotten some knocks for you in the playoffs, and you could do a lot worse. We talked all year about what if you get in a situation where you got to put your best offensive lineup out there. I think if you're going to start looking at what's your best offensive lineup right now in center field, I think Dubon is the guy you should choose. Contact goes a long way in the playoffs, too. Like, like putting the ball in play goes longer in the postseason than it does in the regular season because somebody might make an error. Like, you saw what happened with Fromber yesterday to Robbie Grossman. You, you, he was a little tapper. Little tapper, all of a sudden he throws it away. He, he runs scores, second and third, leads to a big inning. Well, Young um, did it, too, right? He, he, he ate one at third base where yeah. you just put the bat on the baseball and anything can happen. That was that stupid fifth inning, though. Well, it was, but I mean, yeah, you didn't get the outcome you wanted, but at least you loaded the bases. Uh, Cody says, "What was Chaz thinking when he didn't wear that pitch in Game One, down two runs? That was horrible baseball, right?" Um, he's talking about the Game One. Th- those were two fastballs. Those are hard for me to tell a guy to wear when the guy's throwing ninety-eight right at you. you if you're wearing the Biggio, like JJ Watt elbow guard. Now he has an elbow guard, but it's one of those smaller ones. And like you said, if it was a breaking pitch, I think it's a different. Cut. You, you can lean into one, but when you know it's ninety-five plus and it's coming at your elbow, even with that little pad it's not going to feel great no it's hard for me to tell Chaz to wear two 98 mile per hour fastballs in game one would I would I have liked to see it yes and I would have given a major credit for wearing a 98 mile per hour fastball there was one in the game yesterday though where it was a breaking ball inside and he just spun and got out of the way it's like bro you got to wear that one now he ended up getting the base hit in that fifth inning, but at the same time, like you got a breaking ball that's going right at your elbow pad when you wear an elbow pad, you wear it in the postseason. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. Let's get to a little bit of good news. The Houston Texans won a football game. They enter the bye at three and three. Your biggest takeaways from the victory against the Saints on Sunday. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Killer bees. ESPN ninety seven five. ESPN ninety two five. 